thank you for joining us for another episode of God, Law, and Liberty with David Fowler, president of the Family Action Council of Tennessee. Every week, we are putting culture, politics, and law on a collision course with the truth of God's Word. And now, here's David. Welcome to God, Law, and Liberty. And today, I am starting a new series simply entitled Foundations. The last two podcasts have had really a profound impact on me as I recorded them and thought about them, listened to them again, and it's what prompted this new series and its title, Foundations. The foundations indeed are being shaken, not just in our nation, but in and across the globe. The whole foundations of Western civilization are are shaking. I would even suggest that they've been repudiated. And now it's not a question of trying to make a few patches here and there in those foundations, but of restoring them from the ground up. And I think over the next few weeks, you'll see that. And I think this will be very insightful and beneficial to you as you hang with me over the next few weeks. I ran across an article this week that I want us to look at that you can find on the internet. It's titled, American Revolution as Total Revolution, colon, Del Noche, that's a person's name, D-E-L, then another word, N-O-C-E, he's an Italian uh, political philosopher, and the American Experiment. So let me read it again if you want to look it up. American Revolution as Total Revolution, colon, Del Noche and the American Experience. It's by Michael Hanby, H-A-N-B-Y. And what he said was just so good. But it was also of a a caliper that I had to really uh, work through it and think through it and then try to apply the things he was saying to some of the things that, that I've just heard over the last few weeks as we looked at the Dobbs arguments on the abortion issue. And, and I want to tie them in to some things that Jeff Schaefer said. So I want to begin with this clip from the interview with Jeff Schaefer on December the 10th. But a common feature among these critics is that they, um, how would we put it, they look askance at the contemporary project of supposed procedural neutrality in constitutional law, which feigns to abjure considerations of substantive justice or moral boundaries. Instead, is only aiming to mechanically interpret legal texts and facilitate individual rights. What Jeff is saying there is that we don't want to look at fundamental questions. Now, I I want to play one other clip from the interview with Mr. Schaefer that drives this home even further. A a general impression that I came away with after listening to the oral argument was, I guess I would say, is to the surreal character of the hearing before the court, the the moral dullness on the surface of the discussion at the court, the absence of displayed awareness or discernment of the anthropological verities that are implicated in this abortion dispute was remarkable and disconcerting. What Jeff is saying in those two clips is what Mr. Hamby 
said in his article that we are experiencing a total revolution that is a rebellion against being. Now, what does that mean? Well, I want us to look at the word total rebellion in, in just a moment. But the idea of rebellion against being. You see, that was the one issue that was not allowed to come up in the oral arguments in the Dobbs case. What does it mean to be human? And if you'll listen to this clip, you'll hear what Jeff says was substituted for any substantive, meaningful discussion of what it means to be human. Um, instead, we heard used this strange dialect of anemic proceduralism of made-up case law factors. So, you know, several of the participants, um, notably, pretended anguish or befuddlement, uh, suggesting that the question presented in Dobbs is a difficult one whether the Constitution forbids states to legislate against the grisly murder of innocent human life in the, mo in the womb. Mm. Hear me. Yeah. The attenuation of the courtroom exchanges from the gravity of the matter that was under consideration was on display in this form of argument that was deemed proper to the occasion. Now think about this. The court was considering the murderous holocaust of its own making and continuance. Yet the themes of the oral argument principally treated considerations like uh, the, the price of contraception relative to abortion, or whether the court should uphold its past rulings because a lot of people like them and have designed their lives around the court's elimination of state authority to restrict abortion, or whether the court will look unprincipled if it rules one way or the other on the question, thereby risking loss of institutional credibility, or whether the women's, woman's interest in aborting is sufficiently served by a post 15 week prohibition instead of a contentious viability standard or how a row reversal may impact women's workplace prospects if they have to contend with pregnancy and child rearing responsibilities all this is ghastly so do you hear what jeff is saying we don't want to talk about what it means to be a human being that is what Hamby is describing as the rebellion against being. And Hamby calls this rebellion against being something that has been unleashed by total revolution. Now, what is total revolution? Well, I'm going to turn to another book by Groen van Prinster called Christian Political Action in an Age of Revolution. I've referred to it in the past. But he describes the revolution that began really with France and then had uh, moved on throughout the rest of Europe, which, as you may recall from past episodes, Abraham Kuyper said in 1898 when he spoke to the seminary students at Princeton University, had now spread across the oceans to the United States. And here is that total revolution. Van Prinster calls it an idolatrous worship of humanity. Man recognizing no one but himself as sovereign, nothing but his reason as light, and nothing but his will as the rule. He worships man and dethrones God. That is the revolution that has taken place 
now across our globe and is in full bloom here in the United States. Hamby goes on to then say this, this total revolution is, quote, negating our shared human nature and even the language by which we recognize a world in common. Ideas and words have ceased to be vessels of truth and communication. I mean, think about it. A woman now can be a biological male. Marriage no longer means a relationship between a man and a woman, but any two people, and soon, presumably, three or more people. They have become instruments or weapons of social change. What is Hanby talking about here, where um, words cease to be vessels of truth and communication, just instruments or weapons of social change? Remember what I talked about in the past, about the importance of words in the Constitution being given the meaning they had at the time they were used. Because if, if that is not done in the interpretation of laws, and specifically and most importantly, the Constitution as the supreme law, then there is no ability to communicate one idea from one generation to the next and words become manipulated. And they can have no meaning because they don't reflect any given reality. And, and then Hanby goes on to say, the only reason, and you'll recall Van Prinster referred to the importance of reason as the only light, the only reason, Hanby says, held in common is scientism, which is predicated on the philosophical renunciation of universal reason and the unknowability, if not the non-existence, of ultimate truth and goods. Now, what is Hanby saying there? Well, we've really gotten rid of the notion that reason itself can become the light. That's the Enlightenment concept, that, that reason is the only light we need. To saying, well, no, the only reason that we can actually hold in common now is what we learn from science, what science can teach us. But Hanby's saying, but science is predicated on the renunciation of universal reason as a, as a source of coming to understanding things. Science is now the only basis for coming to understand things. Now, the problem, of course, is science can tell us how something works or, or why it works, but not why it is or what it's for or whether it's good or bad. And, of course, science denies the existence of ultimate truths because it's rooted in mere materialism or matter. And, of course, you know, the evolutionists can't explain how we get from mere matter to matters of the mind, like truth, the assertion of truths, because there really can't be any. How could it come from matter alone? Anyway, that, that's a point for another day. And Hanby goes on to write this, total revolution, which is what Ben Prinster was describing as the, 
the installment of, of, of human beings to the place of a, a transcendence, the place of God, total revolution could only succeed by bringing the whole of human nature within its purview, that is, in sexual revolution. Now, Jeff Schaefer mentioned this, that the way we are getting to these matters of individual liberties is, and individual rights, is by battering down norms generally related to human sexuality. And think about it. Beginning with the contraceptive cases in Griswold in 1965 to Eisenstein, another contraception case in 1972 that led to Roe versus Wade in 1973 that uh, led to the division of husband and wife in regard to abortion between in, in 1976 in the Danforth case to the Lawrence case saying that there can be no basis for a law that, that uh, would criminalize homosexual sodomy to Obergefell versus Hodges which redefined marriage to the Pavan case that said it's unconstitutional to not put two mothers as the mothers of a child on a birth certificate. Notice how all of those relate to matters of human sexuality. And so Hanby proceeds to then say, one of the greatest insights is that scientism, which we just defined, and eroticism form a unity. They are but two sides of the same ontological coin, or essences, I guess you could say there. And they are mutually efficacious in advancing total revolution. Here's why. Together, he says, they annihilate all but the barest biologistic conception of human nature with its vital energies. See, see what he's saying here is exactly what's behind the trans movement. That, that we may have different biological organs, but so what? What difference does that make? There's just nothing to do with the vital energies of what it means to be human. And he describes nature, when we talk about human nature, as, as being whatever can be observed which means anything is just as natural or unnatural as anything else. So in other words, this is the manipulation of the word human nature. When, when some people, like perhaps you and me, talk about human nature, we're talking about that which is inscribed in our very being by the God who created us. But nature doesn't mean that to the modernist of today to the scientist, so to speak, of today. It just means what we observe. So anything that we can observe is now natural. It's consistent with our human nature. What we observe is just the way we are. There is no real basis to say that something is contrary to human nature as you or I might have understood that term years ago. As a result, Hamby makes this statement, and it is consistent with the litany of cases that I just gave you, which also is the same litany of cases that Jeff Schaefer gave in his, 
interview if you go back and listen to it. Hamby says, the family must be dissolved. Only then can the meta-empirical order of truth, which is scientism, see what he's saying there. The only thing, the only meta-explanation of the world, the only thing that's comprehensive of the world is, is just empiricism, what we can observe, measure, taste, touch, feel. He says, only then can the meta-empirical order of truth finally be abolished. The fundamental realities of human nature, what you and I would call human nature, man, woman, mother, father, child, must be perpetually redefined. History must be erased since the past is oppressive by definition and language, morality, and law must be all ideologically reconceived. See, that's, that's again what Van Prinster was saying. We want to create nothing except what we as the sovereigns want to do according to our will and our purposes. The inevitable result is called by Francis Skyka. I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's how I pronounced it. The inevitable result is the reign of stupidity. If all truth claims are merely the expression of class interest, bigotry, or psychosis, if only what is subject to empirical observation can be empirically represented as is, in other words, what's true, what's essential, then there is no possibility of argument. There is only rhetorical persuasion and manipulation, and that is exactly what Jeff Schaefer was saying. Listen to what he says here. When this sort of analysis marks the outer limits of acceptable argument, we can see our lamentable condition. Indeed, we are in a lamentable condition because we have allowed, as Christians, I'm now putting the blame where it needs to go, have allowed the foundation to be destroyed. And next week, we're going to look at that foundation and its destruction and how it has led to where we are now, as described by Jeff Schaefer and Mr. Hanby. Thank you for joining this week on God, Law, and Liberty, and I'll look forward to being with you again next week in our new series on foundations. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. God, Law, and Liberty is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, please visit us at www.facttennessee.org. That's F-A-C-Tennessee.org. And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fact Tennessee.